1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love. Verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may, come on, read with me. Prophesy. Verse 2. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies, somebody say, but he who prophesies. Say, that's me. Say, that will be me. That is me. By the grace of God, that will be me. By the grace of God, I will prophesy. Now, I know some of you are being stretched religiously right now, even theologically. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you today, I'm gonna, I want to make sure we understand this is not about who are the prophets and who do we call prophet and prophetess. I am far more concerned with the activity than I am the title. And so let's stop arguing over the title of who and who is not the prophet and let's all become prophetic. And my prayer at this entire week, my prayer has been that God would open up our hearts corporately to embrace a prophetic move of God that is happening in the earth. Listen, that if we're not careful, Pentecostals are going to miss it. How many Pentecostals are in the room like me? Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Pentecostals? Okay. Lift, put your hand down. How many are Baptists? Lift your hand. Good. Come on. We're all going to heaven. My God, don't lie. Methodists, lift your hand. Charismatic, lift your hand. We got some Methodist grandma up here. All right. Charismatic, non-denominational. How many don't care? Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Here's my point. Here's my point. Listen carefully. Whatever you believe, however long you've been believing it, I didn't come today to offend. I come today to preach truth. And if the truth confronts your belief system, so be it. Today we need to take a step in the direction of the Holy Spirit and we need to become the kind of people that hell doesn't know what to do with. Hallelujah. Pray for me. I need to, I didn't get into this because I'm so full and overflowing right now. I feel like I could storm hell with a water pistol. Hallelujah. Lord, help us today. Give us grace to teach and preach and the grace to hear it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. Sit down with me. Okay, so we've been talking about a prophetic culture. In fact, for about the last five weeks, I endeavored not to go into a series, but actually slid into one accidentally almost. And we began to talk about the kind of houses Jesus likes. Many of you know this. I've preached on this the last two Sundays. I'm not going to take but 30 seconds to remind you that the reason we are in this subject of a prophetic house, why are we talking about being a prophetic house is because we looked at the house of Philip in Acts 21. Philip was an evangelist that turned the city of Samaria upside down. He went up the coast and ministered in cities and communities and then wound up in a place called Caesarea Maritima and stayed there 21 years. He and his four daughters, the Bible said in Acts 21 that his four daughters prophesied. There were prophetic daughters, which, mean, which I think it stands and represents raising up a prophetic generation. Amen. So you have this father, Philip, that is evangelistic and turns Samaria upside down in Acts 10. You have four daughters of his that live in his home. And history tells us that these four daughters of Philip prophesied. Eusebius tells us in Christian early church history, early Christian history, that these four daughters actually raised the dead. There was something powerful about this house of Philip. It was prophetic and evangelistic. It was prophetic evangelism. And I'm going to talk about evangelism prayerfully next Sunday. Today I'm going to continue this thought on being prophetic. What does that mean? And I'm telling you, you don't hear me say grandiose things like this often. I do not believe in hyping things up to get people excited and motivated. But I'm telling you, this whole week, when God put this word in my spirit, I knew when God gave me this, it would be a very short but powerful teaching. And I honestly, I told intercessors last night at intercessory prayer on Saturday night, this word is intended to take this house to the next level. Well, Brother Wallace, I don't know if I believe in new levels. Stay where you're at. We're not. 
There is something that is happening God wants to do in this house that catapults us into a place of greater influence and effectiveness. And I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of the Lord is not content with planting churches in cities that leave cities the same while churches stay the same and everybody's the same. Christians are still churchy and sinners are still sinning and the... At some point, there's got to be a transformational uh, variable that gets put into the component and changes everything. And I believe what that is, is a prophetic anointing. It's a prophetic church. The Spirit of the Lord has something to say. He's simply looking for a people through which to say it. And many times, God's voice is not heard in the earth, not because God is unwilling to speak, but because his his people are unwilling to be the mouthpiece. I don't know about you, but I need to hear the word of the Lord over and over and over. I want to hear his voice. Jesus came to the disciples and gave them a hard word. And the Bible says in John 6 that many turned away from Jesus when he said, come eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you don't, you have no part of me. The Bible says many people couldn't take that and they walked away from the Lord and they didn't want to have anything else to do with him. He looked at Peter and he said, will you leave me also? Peter looked back at Jesus and said, If I leave you, where will I go? For you have the words of eternal life. When you speak, something comes to life on the inside of me. And I'm trying to get us in a place today where we start hungering to hear the voice of the Lord again so that when dead, dying people full of death and nothingness on the inside hear the voice of God speaking through us, something they didn't even know was in there comes to life and they start wondering to find God. So there are three words that this is, this is going to be it. I just criticized a three-point sermon and I'm about to give you one. There are three words. It's in verse three. This is the content of a prophetic house. This is what it looks like to be a part of a prophetic house. I don't know about you, but I want our house to be a strong house. Our people need to be strong on the inside. Say amen. We don't need weakness. I'm not talking about our feeble uh, uh, brokenness. We do need to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit because we know that's the kind of person God receives. I'm not talking about being puffed up. I'm talking about being built up. Paul often criticized those who were puffed up but he always encouraged the saints to build up. And the difference between being puffed up and built up is when you get pushed on, puffed up people pop and built people last. And I don't know about you, but I want to be built up so that when the devil tries to pop me, I can keep my strength in God. There are too many people, one little late bill, one little fever, one little thing keeps them out of church for nine weeks and they lose. What is wrong with us? Listen, we ought to have a backbone of steel. And if anybody ought to be paranoid, it ought to be the devil. And we ought to be the ones with authority. And we ought to be the ones who have victory. I'm not saying we never have bad days. I'm just saying they don't turn in to bad seasons. Weeping only indoors for a night. Joy has to come in the morning. So these three words, it's in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. This is the content of a prophetic culture. What does it feel like to be a part of a prophetic church? Three things happen. Three things come. Let me say that. Three things manifest when you are part of a prophetic culture. And they produce, listen, a strong, solid people. Many people are weak because there is no prophetic word coming into their life. Well, Brother Wallace, I read my Bible. You should, but the Bible's got to come to life on the inside of you. It's got to be more than black letters on a white page. It's got to be the word of God becoming meat and, and nourishment for your soul. And it's not just you reading the Bible. It is also you hearing the voice of God. Amen. How many know we, the Bible is the first, the, the, the primary, and the very, the very essence of God speaking to us is the Word. Amen? Amen? If you don't read your Bible, you're not going to walk in victory. Amen. I could just shut my Bible and go home right now. That's the word of the Lord for us today. If you don't read your Bible, you're not going to have victory. Well, you know, Brother Wallace, I want to be prophetic. Read your Bible first. 
Because if you read your if you don't read your Bible and you try to get prophetic, you will get out of order. Oh Lord, I love it. Prophetic culture produces built-up people, not puffed-up people, built-up people. It is clear to me from the scripture God wants his people to be built up. In fact, I'm not teaching on this, but in the very same passages that I read to you today where we talk about building up the body, in the very same breath, Paul says praying in tongues has nothing to do with the people. Praying in the spirit has to do with you. He says when you pray in the spirit, you build yourself up. When you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. That does not sound to me like God wants a weak, anemic, anemic, limp-wristed bride walking around talking about how bad the devil is. How many know that God gave us tools to be able to build ourselves up? That's why Jude said in Jude 21, build yourself up in your holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, there are sometimes you cannot get your favorite preacher to prophesy over you or your favorite deacon or deaconette or elder or elderette to prophesy over you. Sometimes you got to build yourself up and God says, I'm going to give you a tool to build yourself up in your own faith. When nobody is there to speak over you, the spirit within you will speak up through you and if you pray in the Holy Ghost, you can be strong in the Lord. So one way we get built up is to build up ourselves by praying in the Holy Spirit. I always have bad Mondays. I used to too. Hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. I woke up every Monday of my life miserable. I was worried about the sermon the day before. Did anybody understand what I was saying? You know, I looked like a fool. I screamed and spit and hollered and nobody wants to hear me. And I had horrible Mondays until one day I got a revelation. Who cares? My God, at the end of the day, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm not here to make everybody my buddy or to please everybody. Some of you need to get this if you don't get anything else. Quit walking around in life, living your life under a microscope, trying to make sure it pleases everybody. At the end, you won't tell me well done. At the end, he will. And I think I'm going to live my life for the audience and one of one rather than the following of many. Build yourself up. Then he says, this is what I really want to focus on. He says, but, but I would rather that you in a church corporate family setting, I'd rather you prophesy. Why? Because when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to men. I love it when I'm talking like this and, and I, I feel people so hungry, they're pulling on it because... There are many people in this room that don't speak in tongues at all. And the reason some people don't speak in tongues is not because God doesn't want to do it. It's because your theology as a child or an early believer told you that that was of the devil. Then you come into this place and you like the sound and you like the preaching and you like, or you like the worship and you like Pastor Tobin's hair, how it flops or something. You like something. <laughs> and so you keep coming back and you're coming back and you... You want to go with us, and you want to accept it, but this tongues thing really, really bothers you. And it don't bother you in the sense like, oh, my God, they're going to hell. It bothers you in the sense of, I don't do that. Listen, I want to tell you, and I'm going to move straight on to this. This is not something that you get beat into you in an altar, and, you know, you got to have this person telling you how to say it and what to say. This is real simple. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is just like receiving your salvation. It's by faith. It is a gift. You do not earn it, and you don't get worthy enough for it. Somebody said, well, Brother Wallace, you know what? They would get filled with the Holy Ghost if they'd leave them addictions alone. They'd get sanctified. Listen, it took the Holy Ghost to get me sanctified. I couldn't break my addiction until I got the Holy Ghost. Are you trying to tell me you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? Baby, I'm trying to tell you I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go to Bilo. I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go to a car wash down the road. 
I don't know about you, but this thing is not optional for me. There are times I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to handle a situation. I don't know how to get myself out of the rut that I'm in. But when I find him and he gets awake in the inside of me, he comes up out of me and prays for me, through me, and I found strength that I didn't know was available. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm, I want to just say this, and I'm moving on, because as a pastor, I see it while I say it. I, I don't take for granted that everybody in here knows what I mean when I say praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. But I want you to stay hungry for more of God. And just because you were taught when you were little that it's not of God doesn't mean that that's true. Amen. I got more Bible to stand on that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is still available than you do that it died. This is not about a doctrinal flag for me. This is about the fullness of the Spirit. This is, well, this is about being Pentecostal. This is about being more than Pentecostal, honey. This is about being baptized in a power and in a presence that is far beyond anything this world has to offer. Amen? That's not what I came to talk about today. Paul says, in a family setting, in a church corporate setting like this, in a, in a place where believers are gathering together, I would rather that you prophesy than speak in tongues. Why? Because speaking in tongues is not me talking to you. Speaking in tongues is me talking to God. And if I come here on Sunday morning and all I do is speak in tongues to God, your time is wasted and our time together is unfruitful. Because prophecy is you hearing and receiving and understanding what I'm saying. Prophetic utterances are spirit-inspired speech that leave the hearer knowing something they did not know before the speaker began to speak. Amen. Now, let me just peel this back a little bit because, say, prophetic culture. Come on, say, say prophetic culture. My prayer is that religious people who are part of our church family will get prophetic. You say, Pastor, don't accuse me of being religious. I hate when you say that. Listen. I have my own religion to work through sometimes. Religion is anything that looks like God but takes you farther from the heart of God. Okay? Religion produces a form of godliness but denies the power. Okay? You can look churchy. You can be as churchy as Noah was archy, but that don't mean you got the anointing. <laughs> I told you he was going to smile. <laughs> Churchy doesn't impress me. It doesn't impress, it doesn't impress God. Some of the most prophetic people I know are the most unchurchy people I've ever met. Now, I don't want to ever become a place that bashes people who love church. I love church. I was born in a suit and tie with a microphone in one hand and a sweat towel in the other. That's how churchy I am. I'm churchy. I know what it means to be churchy. But listen, God is trying to break the mold for some of us who've been tied up in church all of our life and make us instruments that release a kingdom in the earth that the devil doesn't know what to do with. Okay? I go to church. Well, we're glad, and we want you to come here. And when you come, we want you to have, have yourself a time and pay your tithes and meet new friends and be a part of the family. But there is something far beyond just becoming part of a church. It is becoming part of a prophetic company. Paul says here that I would to God that all of you prophesy. Amen. Be prophetic. He didn't say I would to God that the prophets prophesy. Amen. He said I won't. You know what we prayed last night at intercessory prayer? We prayed for five or ten minutes for our sons and daughters to prophesy. Amen. You say, Brother Wallace, how are you training them? Same way I got trained. Get them in the glory. Just, just, well, I don't know if that's making a difference. Listen, always take your kids to church. Don't send them to church, take them to church. And when you get to church, let them just marinate in the goodness of God. You say, Pastor, they don't understand. They don't have to understand it all up here, but something is happening down here in their little hearts. And I'm telling you right now, what deposit God is making on the inside of them is causing a maturity and a growth to come. They are tasting, this is what Hebrews 6 says, they are tasting the power of the world to come. I am praying that all of us become a company of prophetic people who speak 
inspired things by the Holy Spirit that change people's lives. So, content of a prophetic culture. These three things, edification, taking notes. Let's take notes today. Let's just make this a big Sunday school class, okay? And an occasional amen will do. Praise God. <laughs> Exhortation, comfort, and edification. Not necessarily in that order. It actually goes edification, exhortation, and comfort. Let's say those words together. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. When you are a part of a church family that is a prophetic company, these three things are manifested in the church. These are not verbs. These are nouns. Edification, exhortation, and comfort are all three nouns in the, in the Greek, the original the original language, they're all three nouns. That means that when we prophesy, it produces three things that manifest in our midst. The first is edification. Say edification. Edification is the, I know this is going to take a little bit of, why do you tell us Greek, Pastor? Because sometimes it, it goes deeper than what our English vocabulary is able to understand. Okay, so sometimes you'll hear me say something like, in the Greek it says this. That doesn't mean you have to know the Greek to go to heaven or to be saved. But sometimes going deeper, you'll find more revelation when you get in the original text. Okay, so nobody who doesn't know Greek, because I really don't know Greek except the little bit of Greek I learned at Lee. Okay, enough to make me dangerous, all right? <laughs> the Greek word for edification is oikidame. And what it means is to build up. It means to erect something, to build something, to cause something to come into its proper architectural arrangement. Okay? Now watch this. Paul says this is the content. This is what we should expect in a prophetic culture. Number one, when we are prophetic people, and we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us about others. And then we go speak to other people. The first thing we can expect is that the congregation, through prophecy, will be a built-up people. Amen. We will be built. Now, if we, listen, if we are a prophetic culture and our prophecies and prophetic utterances lead to edification, and if edification means building up, then let's back out of that and think of this from the end product, which means there is a particular design God is trying to build in every person. Amen. So prophecy first and foremost, watch this, prophecy first and foremost helps us to realize the unrealized design of God in our life. When you live and exist and operate in a prophetic culture, the prophetic will call out, don't miss this, the unrealized design of God on the inside of other people. How many caught that? What are you saying? I'm saying that God has a design for you, Brother Rick, okay? He designed it. But he'll give me at times or someone else at times a download that causes you to become to understand. To, you come to a place of understanding the design God had for you that you may not have been aware of he had for you. Which is why you got to be real careful who you let prophesy over you. Oh, I'm not going to get no help on this. But parking lot prophets have screwed up a lot of people. Because they're trying to tell you about the design over you and don't even know the one that created you and gave you the original design. And how can you ever prophetically shape my design and you don't know the God that spoke over me in the first place? If somebody's been prophesying negativity over your future, you need to back up and throw your hand up and say, devil, talk to my hand because my ears or my spirit ain't listening. God told me what he was going to do with my life and the some of these people are prophesying is leading people away from the design of God. Amen. A prophetic culture builds people, watch, builds people up in the design that God gave them. Amen. 
He has a design for your life. You are, Ephesians 2, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus who from the foundation of the world, he purposed that you would live on this planet and achieve great things for his glory. So a prophetic house is one that recognizes, watch this, the design of God and begins to help relay that in an edifying, upbuilding way. Let me blow your mind real quick. The same word is used over in 1 Corinthians 12 where it says, watch, don't miss it, love edifies. Love edifies. Prophecy edifies. Which means prophecy and love flow from the same place with the same manifestation to build up. And I say that only to let you know if you are tearing people down with your mouth, not only do you not know prophecy, you do not know love because love doesn't tear down. Love builds up. Prophecy doesn't tear down. Prophecy builds up. If you're hateful, be quiet until you get your heart right. Is that too hard? I should save that for Wednesday, right? First time guests don't know how to take me yet. I'm sorry. Love doesn't tear down. If you love God, you will love people. If his love has been poured out by the Holy Spirit into your heart, it will change how you interact with people. You will not walk around trying to call everybody your hater, trying to make enemies with everybody that don't look like you, trying to use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to stir up strife. No, no, no. If you got the love of God, it'll compel you to keep that mouth closed every now and then and love people with a kind of love that God loved you with. I'm making enemies while I preach, but I'm trying to help you understand that there are people in the kingdom that are not using this instrument the way God intended them to use it. You got to build up. A prophetic house, watch, is one that builds up. I could tear you down, not that you would let me, but I could try to tear you down with my words. When we first met each other, religion could have caused me to distance myself from being a spiritual father in your life. I could have looked at what happened in the past and I could have judged you outside of the grace of God and if I had and used my words to tear you down, I don't know where you'd be, but I know where I'd be. I'd be, I'd be without your grace impacting my life. See, when you tear somebody down with your mouth, you don't just hurt them. You remove yourself from sitting up under their ability and the grace on their life to make a difference in you. So instead of tearing you down, I decided, you know what? The hand of the Lord is on your life. I decided we're going to see what God is up to here because I feel the Lord is on your life and God has something significant in store for you. And there were people who who would think, oh my God, that's the craziest thing. But now they see what God has done and now they say, how do you get these people that were in gangs to be a part of your team? It's called grace. It's building somebody. I don't mean building them up like flattery. Like, you know, you all that, man. You can rap, man. You true mog, man. You know, you all that, man. You know, you my homie and stuff. And when you get a Grammy and whatnot, man, you know, we're going to be tight. No, no, that's flattery. I mean the kind of stuff like, man, you know what? The hand of the Lord is on your life. I see God raising you up to do something significant in the earth. I, I'm telling you, God has designed you to make a difference in the lives of young ladies and young men that are trapped in a, in a, in a, in a cobweb of carnality. And you've been there and done that, but God brought you out and now he brought you out of that he didn't put you in it but he brought you out of it so that when he brought you out you could have a grace to say something that me in my hickey freeman suit on sunday morning i can preach to you but i don't know how to help a gangbanger understand that there is grace and help and love outside of that mess there is hope i don't have to know how to do it i just have to be able to edify somebody that does know how and speak into their destiny This is why the church don't grow. 
No, sit down. Let me finish this. This is why the church don't grow. We try to clone everybody. All my spiritual sons here this morning, none of them got a suit and tie on. You know why? Because I didn't ever tell them, you got to put your daddy's armor on to go out and fight your battle. I don't care if you wear tight jeans, roll your jeans up, put shorts on, mohawk, green hair, nose ring, earring, I don't care. Walk in the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit. Know the Word of God. Preach the name of Jesus. Love everybody. I'm just... I feel like starting a riot in here today. I feel like overthrowing hell. I feel like telling the devil, you're not going to run us out of business. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's what I feel like. Lord. Edify. God, this is just point one. Sit down. Oiki Dame. Build it according to the design of God. A prophetic culture is a people who are able to speak over others and cause the design of God to come to fruition in their life. I don't know if anybody saw the little prayer mama on social media the last couple days. She got to testifying. Woo! She did an old, old, old saint. They said she's 90 years old, 89 years old. When I saw her, my mind flashed back to the 20 women that were just like her in the little church I was raised in. Woo! These are the kind of people that do not wait on you to start testimony service. They don't come, they're not waiting in line. You know, sometimes we have this real arranged testimony thing going on in here. Not the church I grew up in. Sister Bates, you knew she was getting ready to blow a gasket because she would take her high heel shoes off and put them on the side and she'd start walking around the church. Woo! Take your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground. And she would sing and prophesy. Those are the kind of mothers that spoke over my future. I'll never forget Sister Patton telling me, 40 people in the church on a Wednesday night. I'm 15 years old just starting to preach. And she walked up there with that person and all them bobby pins and her head started wobbling like this and she said I saw you preaching to masses I saw you preaching in stadiums I saw you preaching all over the world 40 people in that little church nobody knows Sister Patton but she built up something that God had already started designing on the inside of me I declare this is a prophetic house God is going to raise people up and he's going to give us a prophetic anointing to speak over their life. Jesus, do it. I got to go. Number two. Prophetic cultures not only have edification, they have exhortation. This is so deep. I don't even know if I can go into all of it. I don't want to get you lost in it. But the word exhortation is the Greek word para, P-A-R-A. Take a note, write it down. Para, klesis. K-L-E-S-I-S, paraklesis. Two things I want you to notice. First, this is a compound word, para meaning beside, klesis meaning to call out. In fact, when the Bible calls us the ecclesia, the klesia, and the klesis are from the same root word. It means to call something out. The church is a group of called out people, watch, who are called to call out of people. We are called out people who are called to call out of people. So edifying is building according to the design. Exhortation or paraclesis is when a prophecy comes forth. Paraclesis means you came along. Come here, Elder, help me. You came alongside of to call something out of them. The deposit is already in there. But sometimes you got to have somebody come alongside you to prophesy and to call out of you 
what already got deposited into Amen. you. Oh, don't stay with me. Come on, stay, stay, stay. Everybody heard of Muhammad Ali? Float like a butterfly. Sting like a bee. I am the greatest fighter of all times. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. Do you know why he said that? Do you know why Muhammad Ali said that? Because he had a trainer. And his trainer got in his ear. Mr. Dundee. God, go, go search history. I know my boxing. Watch. He got in his ear and all the time, off camera, you never met, you never met trainer Dundee. You never met him. But all the time, off camera, he was in Muhammad Ali's ear. Amen. You're the greatest fighter of all time. You float like a butterfly, and you sting like a bee. You're going to beat everybody. You're the champion, the greatest of all time. And whenever he got on TV, he only said back what his trainer. I can't get no help on Sunday morning. He said back what his trainer kept speaking into his ear. Why are you telling me this, Pastor? Because a prophetic culture, God help me, will raise up a people just like trainer Dundee who will come alongside of the boxer and they'll call out of you the deposit God put within you. Some of you don't know you had a future until somebody gets up under a prophetic anointing and they start saying, baby, you got a future. You're going to be the greatest of all time. And the next time the devil shows up in your life to tell you who you're not you're gonna start saying back what that prophetic word said over you instead of agreeing with your enemy slap your neighbor tell a neighbor you got a future you got a future. I don't know why you're trying to sleep in church. You got a future. I don't know why you're trying to get out of here in a hurry. You got a future. God's hand is on your life. Don't ever let the devil drive you back or back you up into a corner. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A prophetic culture has a people who will walk up to folk and say, I see God is about to do something amazing in your life. This is what he showed me. All of a sudden, something comes to life on the inside of you. This is why a prophetic word is very careful. Please hear this. If you don't hear nothing else, First Timothy. Paul told Timothy, the young pastor, remember the prophetic words that were spoken over you. Because when you get a prophetic word, here's what Paul told Timothy. You use it as a weapon of warfare. And when the devil comes and knocks on your door and tries to blow your house down, you just holler that prophecy back at him. Well, you know, Brother Wallace, you know, brothers, I don't know about all this prophesying. You don't know about it till the devil shows up. But when the devil shows up, you'll do stuff that you said in your religious self you would never do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've told this story before, but, but when Zion was born and she almost died... Devin never panicked. Prolapse cord wrapped around her neck. Every contraction Devin had, Zion lost blood flow. We watched her heartbeat up and down. Minutes, the doctor said she has to live. I am over here having a nervous breakdown. I'm praying in every tongue you can imagine, Torrance. I'm doing this kind of warfare. You know, the stuff I said I'd never do. I'm dancing. I'm falling out, rolling on the floor, speaking. In, I'm doing it all. Calling people, waking people up. Pray! Scared them half to death. Devin, I looked at her. And it ticked me off. It really did. It ticked me off. I'm like, dude, can you please get a little nervous here? I mean, I've got Christian nurses cussing. Devin's over here. Why? Because Devin got a prophetic word. God told her months before Zion was born in a dream, your daughter is going to be attacked when she's born. A little angel came to Devin in a dream. A little old woman in the dream came to Devin and said, but I got my hand on your baby and I'm going to protect her life. She had the dream and the prophetic word and she told me that. 
It didn't move me like it moved her. When Zion was, when Zion was born, I was having a nervous breakdown. My God, my baby's about to die. I was spread eagle on the floor in the middle of a hospital hallway, beating on the floor, rebuking death. Devin? Why? Because when the enemy came to take what belonged to me, I, she had a prophecy. And the prophecy became a weapon. And instead of her having a nervous breakdown, she said, God told me my baby was going to be all right. And my baby's going to be all right. How do I know if God said it, baby? He's not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. If God ever says it, you take it to the bank. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will abide forever. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not come back to me void. It will accomplish what I sent my word to do. I'm come to tell you, one prophetic word from God can change your life. When you get in a prophetic culture, start calling things to life. And the last thing is, this is the final point. The first is edification. When a prophetic culture is in the house, people are built up into their God-given design. When a prophetic culture is in the house, people begin to become aware of the deposit that is on the inside of them. And finally, when you're in a prophetic culture, he says, this thing manifests. It's a thing called comfort. Look at your neighbor say comfort. Now, this is interesting. Because we always use the word comfort with parakletos, the Holy Spirit. Because he is the paraclete, right? The paraclete, he is the comforter. Okay? So, but this is not the word used here for comfort. In fact, this word used for comfort here in 1 Corinthians 13 is used rarely in the Bible. It is a word in the Greek that is paramythia. P-A-R-A-M-Y-T-I-T-H-I-A. Here's what I want you to see. It is itself a compound word just like the word for exhortation was. Now watch this. Don't miss this. Para is a very important part of the compound word. It means to be alongside of. Don't miss this. Two of the three things that happen in a prophetic culture happen because people walk beside people. Para. Come here, Pastor Gary. Para means beside. Paraclesis, the word for exhortation, means I get beside you and I call out of you the deposit God put in you. Paramithia means I get beside you and I speak words of strength over you reminding you you do have a destiny the two are close but not the same and the difference is this you can sit down pastor gary the word paramithia is only used it is not used in the sense that the spirit of god does the comforting or encouragement here it is used in the sense that we actually comfort one another Para meaning, I'm, I'm not trying to go too deep, but this is important for me that you get this. A prophetic culture is a prophetic culture, and it, is, it breeds strong people because, watch this, para means you get beside one another. Amen. You don't try to strengthen each other from miles away. Because sometimes we need each other to lean on. We, we, we don't just have a distant religious relationship. If I'm going to comfort you, i got to be able to get close to you. And I don't mean in some weird, ooey-gooey. I mean in the sense that we're a body. And one of the things that is happening, Rick, if you'll go to the piano, I'm going to shift right here. One of the things that is happening in the church in this day and time is we are learning more and more how to produce church with less and less connectivity. was never intended to be that way. We're intended to bear one another burdens. I can't help carry your burden if I don't know you. I can't comfort you. This is really strange. This word, paramithia, it, it, 
actually is a compound word from para, meaning next to, and mythia, which comes from the root word mythos, where we get our word mythology or myth. Or watch, the unknown. Sometimes I need people who have a strong faith to get beside me and comfort me when I start walking into things that are unknown to me. Anybody ever gone through seasons where you didn't know what was going to happen next? It's the myth and the mystery of the journey that often produce fear in us. What's up around that corner? See, a prophetic culture is a place where people will get alongside you and speak over you and say, baby, it's going to be all right. We have a very young staff, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And probably half the staff is younger than me, and a couple of staff are older than me. But there's one, there's one guy that's a, he's like the pawpaw of the whole bunch. Pastor Lee. How are you, Pastor Lee? 104? 104, 105, something like that? I'm kidding. He is the youngest 60-whatever-year-old. He's got more energy than a, a bee buzzing around. When I was going through seasons last year that I had never walked through before, seasons I had never navigated before, his words were prophetic to me at times because the myth and the mystery in the journey put me in a place where I couldn't say, you know what, I've been this way before. I know how this is all going to work out. I had never been that way before. But a prophetic person is someone that comes in and says, hey, I've been here. I done walked through something similar to this before. This is going to turn out all right, Pastor. You say, Pastor Kevin, is Pastor Lee really being prophetic when he comforted you that way? Yes. His words were prophetic comfort to my soul that was trapped in the mystery and the myth. What's going to happen next? And it took somebody coming alongside to say, you know what? Everything's going to work out according to the destiny God has intended for you. A prophetic culture is a place, watch this. If we're prophetic people, we'll have the ability to take the turbulence out of the trip. How many of you have ever been on a plane and got some turbulence? <laughs> you don't even know if you're saved until you get on a plane and you get in some turbulence. You find out what is on the inside of you when you get on a plane in the middle of some... When we got on a plane, me and Chris were on our way to preach at Columbus, Ohio for Pastor Parsley. On that way there, we got into some turbulence and the wheels locked up on the plane. They wouldn't drop. Maybe there were people in turbans calling on the name of Jesus. There were people painted fingernails black and black hair and whatever they call it. I don't even know. And they had chains everywhere and all of a sudden they want to get saved. Right? Why does everybody panic when you get on a plane and you get into some turbulence? Because you don't know how it's going to turn out. But a prophetic culture is one where people know. You may not know what the future holds here, but let me speak prophetic comfort over your future. Even in the midst of the mystery and the not knowing of what tomorrow holds, it's going to be all right. Don't you just feel better when you leave church and you have a witness in your spirit that even though my family's falling apart, hell's breaking loose, and I don't know how I'm going to pay next week's bills, I've got a promise. Everything is going to be all right. That's true comfort. And somebody needs to hear me say that over you today. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what destiny looks like. You don't know what the end of the thing will be. But you need to hear me tell you today, prophetically, it's going to be all right. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to finish what he started. Brother Wallace, you don't know the size of the demon hanging on my back and the hell and warfare I'm going through. I don't know. But here's what I know. If that demon hangs on long enough, he'll have to sit down and watch God open up a spread before you because my Bible says in Psalm 23, he prepares a table before me even in the presence of my enemy. You just keep on believing. Whatever you do, don't stop. Whatever you do, don't go back. 
Whatever you do, don't stop believing. God is not through with you yet. And a prophetic church is a church that is sensitive enough to God that when you pass somebody in the lobby out there, the Spirit of God just drops in your heart, tell them that they're going to be all right. And you just get alongside of them and you just say, God told me to tell you it's going to be all right. You don't know what that does for them. You don't know what your obedience to God could unlock in the heart of somebody who needs to hear what God is trying to say through you. So I want you to start opening your mouth. And when you're... When you're touched by the Spirit of God to encourage somebody, that's not just you trying to be cool and you trying to be ultra nice. That's you trying to be obedient to God. And one prophetic word. Stand with me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, let's lift our hands and give them our lives. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, God, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, Sing that again as a prayer. Come on. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Give you my life today, God. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. we leave today. Tell him I live for you, I live for you. Every moment, come on, Father have your way, come on y'all. Let's give him our life, come on Lord I give you, come on sing. I give you my heart, yes, I give you my soul, lift your hands to him, come on, I live you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, have your way in me, come on, one more time, one more sing I give you. If you give him your heart today, he'll use you for his glory. Father, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every moment.
Lift your hands up like this, please. Father, this week, turn Christians into a prophetic company. You ready? Let's go deep. Say, Lord, use me to prophesy, to speak edification, exhortation, and comfort over people who need it. Say, Father, I give you my heart to speak to and my mouth to speak through. And this week, let the words you give me bring life to someone Satan is trying to terrorize. And devil, in the name of Jesus, this house will be a company of prophetic people that run you out of business. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Give God praise. Why would you give it to me? I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to read what the letter says. Is this true? The loan on the church has just been paid in full.
back on. That's $4.5 million debt removed. Somebody give God a praise in this church.